0: Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas! Ah, awesome, awesome! It is so, so good to see you. I am excited that you are here this morning, um, brave the the cold. Uh, no snow, but cold. And so, uh, if it's gonna be that cold, it's at least snow, right? Uh, a couple of you are like, no, bring back the summer. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, if you have your Bibles, grab those. Uh, we will be in the Book of Luke. Chapter 2, we'll start in verse 19 for, for a second, look at that for just one second. But before we do that, um, just, just a couple of things real fast. Um, we've got a new members uh, class coming up, so if you want to know more about what it means <clears throat> to be a member here at New Life, uh, you can uh, come to that class. You, you can join, you don't have to join, you can come ask questions, uh, see a little bit more about who we are, uh, what, we, what we believe, our mi- vision and mission, kind of a little bit more in depth there. So we've got that coming up. Um, uh, January 8th, and it'll be before the service, 9 a.m., over in our Welcome Center, uh, over in that area there. So, uh, also the ornament fundraiser is still going on. Uh, you, we've got some children's ornaments out there on the tree. You can get those, purchase those at the uh, Welcome uh, Center there, right there in the middle uh, of the lobby. So, um, last thing I'll say is this, is that in case you haven't noticed, um, we've got children here this morning, which excites me. I don't know about you, but it excites me, because I feel like if, if anybody can get them, or they can get anybody, they get me. You know what I'm saying? I guess like I'm on their level, and so this is uh, exciting. So what that means is it'll be a little bit more lively than we're used to, and uh, I am completely cool with that. we good with that. So if, if your kid moves around, squirms a little bit, uh, praise God for your kid being here. So um, that does not bother us a bit, and so we just uh, want to make, make sure you make yourself at home there. Um, so I'm going to ask you if you'd join me uh, as we pray, and we'll, we'll work our way to where God wants us this morning. Father, again, thank you so much for this morning. God, this opportunity to gather in this place with family and be reminded be reminded of where our hope comes from be reminded Father God of how good and faithful you are God what this day means for us who have come to faith in your son Jesus what this day means for us is that everything that you've said is true everything that you've promised everything that you've done and told in the days of old, God, is true, and you are who you say you are. So, Father, we thank you so much. As we've gotten up this morning and opened gifts and just had family time or whatever this morning looked like uh, for us in this room, God, we just, we, we want to stop and we just want to say thank you for the greatest gift that wasn't under the tree, and that's your son. God, move and speak in this place this morning. Father, we love you and need you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as, as I was studying and praying, kind of figuring out, okay, God, what, what do you want to accomplish? What do you want to say? What, uh, what, do, you, what do you want to do in this place this morning as, as we gather here and we look at, at your word? And uh, it, it's, it's a story that's been around for thousands of years, right? So like, like what, what new uh, can we add to it? What kind of spin maybe or what kind of uh, where can we come from uh, with, with this story? And so as I began to uh, read and pray this week, uh, the, the story in Luke chapter 2, I got, I got hung up on a verse. I, I got stuck on, on a verse, and I just couldn't get away from this verse. And, and the crazy thing is, out of the whole story and the birth of Jesus, this verse is the verse that just kind of captured me uh, in my moment of, of studying and praying and seeking and asking God what he would uh, want to say. And uh, God, now, I, I don't know how you, you talk to God, but I mean, I've just, just, I, just, I just do just I'm like, God, are you sure? Like, I, I, like there, there, I, I question him sometimes. I don't know why I do that. Uh, because he's all knowing, he's all powerful. He knows, and I and I even ask him like what he wanted to accomplish, and then I question what he. Uh, I believe he tells me he wants to, to do and accomplish, but uh, but I go that route. And I, was, are you sure? And he's like, yes, I'm sure. And I'm like, but you're positive. He's like, am I God or not? And I'm like, okay, you win that one. So, um, uh, so th- this is where we're going to be this morning, Luke 2, uh, 19. And, and what God did as I was studying and reading is, is he just really drew my heart uh, to, to two things here in this scripture. Look, look what it says. It says, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. So, so think about that for, the mo- for a moment. In, in, in the midst of everything that's happening, in, in the midst of the Savior of the world being born, Jesus coming, being born, everything that's taking place, everything that's happened up to this point. The shepherds come busting in. They've been out in the fields. The angel shows up, tells them what's going on. They run off. They want to see this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. They go there. I mean, all of this that's just happened. Everything that she's experienced. And you have this moment here of Mary and it's almost as if like we kind of get like a little sneak peek into Mary's like mind or her heart or or, or kind of what, what's happening in, in 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 this uh particular time like I like guess it's, it's 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 kind of almost like we get a reader mind for a second and, and I don't know how I don't know how this came to be I, I don't know if, if maybe she says this out loud or if it's kind of like one of those moments like Joseph comes over and kind of in the midst of everything like hey boo what you thinking I, mean, I don't. I don't know how it happened. I don't. Maybe maybe she's talking to Luke down there. I don't. I don't know how it came to be or how how it's like almost like they recorded her thoughts. But but this this one verse here, in the midst of this forever world changing event, is so small and so simple yet deep and profound. And I can't tell you the amount of times that I've read this story. Listen up, Siri. I can't tell you the amount of times that I have read this story and I've just read right over this verse, never giving it a thought, never being caught up in the magnitude of what she is thinking or what she's doing in this scripture. But isn't that the beautiful thing about the scriptures? Isn't that that something that's amazing about the Bible? God's Word is active. God's Word is, is living. It's not stagnant, but it's ever-moving. It's ever-shaping. It's ever-molding our lives. And, and, and they are as real and relevant in our day as what they were in the day that they were recorded, the day that they were written. They, 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 they are as real and relevant. There's no need for additions, no need uh, for rewrites, no need for, uh, need for revisions. And, and how amazing is it that we can read a story every single year and in reading that story every single year we pull something different from that story and in that God works us over in different ways God does a mighty work to shape us and mold us convict us encourage us and just do a work in us and so uh, how intentional our God is and so if I could press you and encourage you anyway this morning it would be to get in the word Oh man, love God's word, cherish God's word, value God's word, be hungry for God's word. You, you want to see life change? Spend time with God through his word. L- let it permeate your heart. Let it shape and mold you. Let it, l- let it read your thoughts, your intentions, your motives. Let, 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 let God transform and change and do a work th- through his word. And so for whatever reason, this morning as, as we look at these scriptures, God felt it right and good to draw my attention to two words, treasure and ponder. There in verse 19, treasure and ponder are the two words that I couldn't get away from. So, so what I want to do this morning is just point us to two things, real fast, two things that we need to treasure and ponder with the arrival of God to earth. Two things, and, and there are a multitude of things, and this list could be ever, and I'm trying to be uh, very uh, conscientious of time and careful here, but, but, but there, are, there are a number of things that we could ponder and look at and think. Uh, uh, but but I just, I'm going to point us to two, and before we get there, as I was reading and studying and praying and just kind of setting back for a moment, just reliving and uh, uh, going down memory lane in, in my own life, some of the memories that I ponder and that I treasure uh, growing up. So, like, for me, like, I, I grew up in a, a little Methodist church in West Virginia. And, um, like, y'all, like, the little Methodist church was, was about maybe, like, 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 this size right here. Like, these two sections, the whole church. Like, y'all, we had an outhouse out back by the woods. Like, no joke. Like, you can't make that up. Outhouse. So, so, if you, so you didn't use the bathroom at church. Like, you just held it. And you just prayed that the Holy Spirit would let the preacher get done in time so you could. Anyways. So, so one of the things I loved about Christmas time growing up in that church was was about a month and a half before Christmas, we would start the Christmas play, and like, and like like, like you, you get your mind around it. So the church is this size. Christmas Sunday, uh, like like big Christmas Sunday, we'd have like, like just just the amount of people that are like in these these four rows right here. That was it, and that's like packed out, y'all. Like it, it was like it was amazing. Like we were just woo, and so. Um, but, but they would do, we would do this play, and we'd begin to practice a month and a half out, and as we begin to practice, like, we'd get lines. And, and the church, like I said, was this big, and I can remember this. There, there were these two poles uh, in the front and the middle and the back that came out of the walls like this, and they would hook and catch. And I'm like, what in the heck? And you know me, I mean? like, like, I've got, like, I know where my middle guy gets it, but I've, I'm, my mind is like, I wonder if we unhook those, what happens? <laughs> the whole thing come down. And so I'm like, I'm watching it, but what they would do is they would hang like the curtain rod, and and that would be the drapes for the play, and... Um, so we, we, would do, we would do the play, and they would get ready, and it, and it would be like, um, the, the, st- uh, the stage would be decorated, it'd be big cardboard, and they'd have painted like a house scene, and just all kinds of stuff, and they'd pull a curtain, they'd open a, and it was, I mean, it was awesome, I loved it, it was, it was amazing, um, and, and, and as a kid, I can just, I can remember like going early uh, throughout the, the fall season, and just practicing with, with all the people that you knew, and went to church with, and then you'd have the performance night, and like, y'all, like the church would be packed. There'd be people standing up outside the walls watching and just, man, it was, it was amazing. And then I can remember after that, like, we had fruit bags, y'all. Those that went, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, huh we, we have fruit bags. You got an orange, an apple, full-size candy bar. We spared no expense. <laughs> full-size candy bar and some peppermints. And if, like, if you were the lucky one, you got a candy cane. It just depend on, depended on how many candy canes they could find. But, like, I can remember those things. Like, I can remember uh, there was always this one house that would always just, like, decorate like crazy the amount of lights. I mean, I, I can just remember growing up, all the different things about this time of the year, what it meant, what it brought with it. I can remember Grandma's house. Grandma, oh, she would always wrap her presents in newspaper I'm like, what, what's she doing? But hey, I mean, she, she just, she's crafty like that, resourceful maybe. I don't know what it was, but, but I would always, like the kids, we would always get like the funny pages, you know what I'm saying? Like Dennis the Menace was my favorite, and I always got, I knew my presence was the Dennis the Menace presence. Maybe there's a correlation there, but anyways. <laughs> but, it, but it was like, like just memories like that that just kind of flooded my mind and my heart this, this week, and then, then I began to think of even like my own life, my kids, now that, now that we have kids. And the things that I cherish, the things that I, that I value, the things that I hold near and dear to, like having conversations with my boys about, about Christmas. Like, like even this morning as we're driving in. And, and as we're driving in, we're having that conversation. I'm like, all right, guys, like, you, you know what today's about. Ben is like, duh, Dad. Jesus' birthday. Where he came and he was born and he died for us and he offered us salvation. And like, he gives me that like gospel presentation. I'm like, yes, amen. I'm, I'm ready to be saved. I don't know. I didn't know what to do in this moment. So I, just, so I was just I was excited. But, but, but I'm trying to drill that into their little hearts, into their little minds. I'm trying to uh, have conversations about that. Little, little things like that that just gets me excited. Or, or the memory of the arrival of Elfie And the departure of Elfie You know what I'm saying? Like he comes, and one of the cool things I really like about Elfie coming is that he always kind of starts at the manger scene for us. And then he he works his way to the Bible, to the story. It's just really cool how that works. Like little memories like that, looking at lights will do that, decorating the tree. And then my wife is like, Don't you lie to those people on a Sunday morning, Scott Miller. Because that's not a memory that you would think I cherish, but to step back and to think of it as much as I dread, I dread. Like, like, I'm the put-the-tree-together guy, you know? And then I'm like, I, think my, I feel like my job's done. As the husband, as the man of the house, I need to just be back kind of like monitoring the situation, you know? Like, like, like ready to do what I need. And, and so, like, I'll do that part, and then she, like, she's the fluffer, and she's like the, the strategically placing. I'm just like, stick those things on there, and let's go. We've got better things to do right now. And she's like, no, we've got to put it in. Man, there's a hole here, and there's a this there. and I'm like, ugh. Oh. As I was thinking this week, man, those are just some things that I get to just treasure and value and ponder. But, but none, none more than what we've gathered in this place for. Uh, nothing is greater that I get to treasure and I get to ponder than the same thing Mary did on this day, is, is the arrival of Jesus. Now, that, that's her son, that's her baby, uh, and maybe she didn't fully grasp or understand the whole magnitude of what was happening, uh, but, but we can today. And, and so I value and I treasure and I ponder this as often as I as I can because when you see here in the scriptures, treasure up it means that, that she valued deeply and she took note of the important things. So so as she begins to treasure and she begins to step back from that moment and look at what's happening, she 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 values and she's taking it in. She's she's breathing it in, drinking it in, just 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 holding near and dear to it and pondering it. She's thinking deeply on it. She's, I mean, I, I, she's like, she doesn't want to forget this moment. She doesn't want to lose the magnitude of this moment. She doesn't want to uh, forget the weight of what's going on or, or, or overlook it or for it to somehow escape her mind or heart down the road. And I just, I just love that. And so what, what I want to do right now is this. is I want to point us to something that we should treasure and ponder with the birth of Christ what we should always treasure and value and hold near and dear our heart and to think of often with the birth of Christ is first is that he is our ransom. Mark 10.45 tells us that. Mark 10.45 tells us that. It says this, it says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. So he didn't come so that we do all the stuff for him, so that we could serve him, so that we could get him stuff, so that we could, that's not why he came. He came not to serve, but what, uh, not to be served, but to what? To serve. And do what I love this last part here is to give his life as a ransom for many. To give his life as a ransom for many. So the reason that we need a ransom to be paid for us is, is because we've sold ourselves uh, into sin. We, we, we've, we've, we are sinful and we are wicked and we are slaves to sin. We are slaves to our flesh. So there has a, there's a ransom that is due for the soul of man. God requires a payment And so what we celebrate today is Jesus becoming a human being so that he could suffer and so he could die in our place to pay that ransom, that ransom that we cannot pay, that price that we cannot pay. That's what we treasure. That's what we value above all else. That's why we gather in this place this morning. It's because he is our ransom. He is our rescuer. He is our redeemer. He has done for us what we can't do for ourselves. I mean, I don't care how big your credit card is. I don't care uh, uh, what, 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 how hard you've worked for. I don't care what you've done. You cannot pay what is due to God for your sin and your rebellion. That's what we treasure, our ransom. That's what we ponder. That's what we meditate on we think about often. I mean, don't forget where he's rescued you from, what he saved you from from don't forget how he got us. Church, he didn't go to the shelf and pick off the nice, new, neat, clean, pretty us. Instead, what he gets is he gets the busted up, janky, messed up, struggling, beat up, limping. That's what he got. That's what he got when he dies for us. That's what he purchases us in. We are desperate. We are poor in spirit is what the scriptures teach so hear me, when the excitement of today ends and you wake up tomorrow, or a week from now, a month from now, four months from now, may you treasure and remember what God has accomplished by his coming. May you not lose heart, may you not lose sight, may you not forget that. And the second thing we would look at is this the thing that we treasure and ponder is a call to pursue holiness. A call to pursue holiness. First Peter 1, 13 through 16 says it like this. He says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that we brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your mind, set your hope, set your everything uh, on the grace that's going to be revealed to us, that's going to be seen at the full revelation of Christ. Like, like ponder, think on that, be encouraged by that. He goes on and says in verse 14, as obedient children, this isn't talking down to, this is just a realization for those of us that are in Christ, we uh, uh, we are children of God, He is our Father, and so we're going to be obedient as obedient children. He says this, do not be conformed. That's shaped, molded by, fitting in the form of, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. What was your former ignorance? In your lostness. Don't be conformed by that. Don't be shaped and molded by, by your sinful nature by, uh, but that was present there at one point but has been, been a, a murdered on the cross for us. Don't be conformed by the desires and longings of the world, chasing after the things of the world. Don't be, don't be conformed by that. It's like fitting into the mold of that. That's what he's saying. Don't, don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance when you were lost, when you, didn't, when, you had, when you were stuck in that. But instead, in verse 15, But as he who called you is holy. Who's called you? God has called you. Christ has called you. The Holy Spirit has called you. But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Holy is blameless and set apart. Like for us in the room who comes to Christ in faith, man, the way that God looks at us is we are justified and declared righteous. We are holy in his presence and what he tells us is this, is that we, uh, we are to live that way. You also be holy in all your conduct. Your conduct is how you live, how you do. And, and so I want to look, look how to pursue that holiness. How do we live that? How do we treasure that? How do we value that? We obey and we live out and we walk that out. That's how we do it. How do we treasure and ponder it? We think of it often. How should I react? How should I be? How should I do? How, how can I represent Christ? How can I be light in the dark world? How, how do I live this out? We ponder, we think about it, and then we treasure it, we value it by doing it. by, by living. Out. How do we say thank you the most? By, by, by living out what Christ has done and said for us to do. By, by letting this world know who He is and what He's done for us. 1 Timothy 4.7 says it like this. This is Paul writing to young Timothy, this young pastor. He says this, Have nothing to do with irre- irreverent, silly myths, but rather train yourself for godliness. Train yourself for godliness is what he says so I want to think, I want to look and ponder on this thought of striving to be godly in all that we do. in the things that we say, the way that we act, and even our thought life, right? Because, because sin is not always external. That, that's what gets so tricky. About, it's like, like sin's not always just external. It's not me like just losing my mind and going crazy or saying stuff that other people can hear or doing things that other people can see. Uh, be, because sin is, is internal as well, Right? It's not all external, but it can be internal. So it's the things that I think, the things that I take in, the things that I, that I let consume me, that, that, that I ponder on, that I think on, that I, that I meditate on, that I, uh, that I long for in my heart. And, and so what he says is, is to train yourself in godliness. And I just believe that's just another way of describing holiness, Christ-likeness. And so after we're saved, we're, we're called to pursue, to go after, to walk with Jesus. And if we belong to Christ, then our affections and our desires and our actions, it should reflect that. Like the things that we think on, the things that we treasure should be, but be things of God, right? Like, like we should be marked by that. Like, man, those people are the people of God. I mean, the things that they think about, the things that they long for, the things that they do. But the, they even talk different. I'm not talking about, like, blessed brother. And I'm not talking about, like, talking in King James. Thou shalt come over to the house tonight. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the way that maybe we encourage, the way that we say it, the way that we we don't say certain. Th- I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Everything about us. Our actions should reflect our longings and desires should reflect that. So it's trying to think as me, you know, like trying to okay. How how can I illustrate this? How how can I try to help us understand this a little bit better? And so it's Christmas, right? I think it's only fitting that we bring out some toys and we have a good time this morning, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, what's God doing in the basketball room up there? Well, I'm about to show you. Follow this. You, you, know, you know that little team? Ah, oh, Siri, stop it. That little team from the north? That, that little team just a little, little north of us? That little team? Okay, Charlotte. The little team from Charlotte. The Hornets. Well, you, you probably don't remember or you probably don't know because like I, I'm around the, the era of uh, King James, uh, LeBron James. But I was drafted because I'm just a little bit older than him, I was drafted just right before him. Like, it was, like, one of the last picks in the draft, and it was, you, you know what I'm saying? But, like, like I'm man, you know? Like, like I, play, I played for the team. Like, I was a part of the team. Like, like you know, like, like, like Mello, right? Like, you know, Mello, right? Like, he, he does, does his thing, like, oh, like Mello. And, like, we, we had those good years, Larry Johnson. I remember he had, like, his little thing. And it was just oops and Alonzo, like all those guys. I was buried on the bench, so you didn't get to see me a lot, but I, but, but I really, like, during practice, I helped them a lot. And I encouraged them a lot, like, when they would play, and, like, I'd cheer for them. And me, me and MJ, you know, like, MJ, he's, like, the owner of the team. We're starting to get close a little bit. And so we, we I mean, I don't have his number yet, but I email him, and, and somebody responds. And so, but, but, but all those things, in like, practice, like, the shorts, I did, like, all that kind of stuff, and I would do it. And, you don't believe me, let me... Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I mean, little. Oh yeah. Can your pastor do that? If he played for the Hornets, he can, right? So like we can do that. I can. I mean, behind my back. You know what I'm saying? Look, no look, pass. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, but, but you know what I'm saying. Like, like I mean, I mean layup drill. Yeah. Whoa. Um, that's not bad, right? All state high school. Thank you very much. Shot 90% from the free throw line. I did beat um, Landon Sprouse, who's a junior. I just want to do this junior at Bowling Springs, like, like real good, like t- like I beat him like, like eight months ago in one-on-one, didn't know what hit him, he, I think he was kind of like shocked by it, but that, I'll hold that over him forever and never play him again because I want to be 1-0 and o and undefeated, so, um, poor guy, wrong place, wrong time, and he just got worked, uh, I don't think he's ever seen anything that slow, I think that's what the problem was, and he was kind of like, what do I do with this, um, but anyways, right, like, like if, if, I, if I, I mean, I, I can say I'm a hornet, I can say that I, I was drafted, I can have the memorabilia, I can do all of this stuff, I can even talk the talk a little bit, right? Like, like I know the owner, I know some of the players, I, uh, I mentioned some of the, the things that happened, and, and all this, I, I can do all of that kind of stuff, but the problem is, the problem is, if I'm not really that... If I'm not really what I say that I am, say that I can do, say that I... And, and, and yeah, it's easy, to, it's easy to shoot on like the, the three-foot rim. I mean, and like if you just practice the basketball thing, you, you can kind of do some of that stuff. And if you read and research enough, you, you can know some things about some things. But if you're not a part of it, then, then as much as you want to be or think that you are, say that you're... You're just, you're just not... And so the same thing for, a, for those who profess to be believers. If, if you're not a part of the family, are not a part of the family. No matter how much you know. No matter how much you attend. No matter how much you think you know or you even do. Because if you haven't come through faith in Jesus Christ and what this day stands for, Him being born God in the flesh... Even, even knowing all the things about him, but never fully, fully surrendering to. Desiring, longing for, yearning. If none of, those, none of those passions and desires and longings are, are, are just submerged in him. You're just pretending. You're just faking like I'm faking. And you're saying some things that you know about some stuff. And it becomes work, and it becomes aggravation, and it becomes hard Because it's all in your power and it's not on on his power. And when it's in his power and through him, man, it's so much easier to pursue and follow and long for and want and do the right things. Long for the right things. And so this morning, as we start to wind down, how do we train for godliness? How do we do what Paul instructs Timothy to do? And for those of us in this room who, who are believers, who are a part of the family, who are a part of the team, who are in and his and adopted in, how do we train, how do we do how do we live holy lives? It's through spiritual disciplines. And so the goal of every spiritual discipline, as this verse teaches, is godliness. It's, it's, it's intimacy with Christ, conformity with to Christ, and the first spiritual discipline that I would press you in is this, is Bible intake. As I've already mentioned, Bible intake, it's loving and growing relationally with God through His Word. Bible, it's, it's, it's hearing His Word, reading His Word, it's studying His Word, it's, it's memorizing His Word. That's hiding it in your heart so that you may not sin against God. And I don't know about you, but, but my heart and my desire is quality over quantity, you can read 10 chapters today, and God bless you for reading 10 chapters, and that's awesome that you read 10 chapters, but do you remember what in the heck you even read? I may have only read two, two verses this morning, but man, man, I'm meditating on, I'm chewing on, I'm thinking about, I'm praying through, I'm, I'm, I'm re- uh, living them in my heart, and I, I'm letting it like, shape and mold me, and I'm not just doing it for the sake of saying that I did it. I mean, you can be disciplined in doing it, but I man, if the motive and the heart and the desire and the longing is not for intimacy with Christ, then you doing three chapters a day compared to three verses doesn't do much for you, if anything. And so it's, it's Bible, it's, it's hearing the Word of God, like what we're doing here, gathering corporately. It's reading, it's opening it up. And sometimes you just open it up and sometimes you do just read. You do just, uh, just just read the story and let it just kind of take hold or just hear it or just think of it that way. Or maybe it's open it up and it's studying, finding context. What's happening here? What does this word mean? Uh, who wrote it? Why did they write it? What's happened uh, culturally, in this, culturally, in this moment? All of those type of things. And memorizing God's word. Those Those type of ways to take in the Bible. The second thing that we do, a spiritual discipline that leads to godliness, that helps us to to live holy and righteous lives, is prayer. Prayer is just talking and communicating with God. Talking and communicating with God. And I believe prayer is both planned and informal, scheduled and spontaneous on a daily basis. But we pray, we press in, we talk to God, we share our heart, we cry out. We sit in silence and just listen for the Holy Spirit to whisper that ever small, still voice on our heart. But we spend time in His presence with Him and around Him. See, it, it would be like this when we talk about prayer. If you talk to your spouse, if you talk to your kids, if you talk to your parents, if you talk to your best friend as much as you talk to God, what would that relationship look like or be like? And I'm not saying that to guilt you to make you feel bad. I'm just saying that to, to have you, man, just, just look inward. What, what would that relationship be like if you talk to everybody else in your life as much as you talk to God? And I, I'm not even talking about like, like the, the, the quick, like, hey, bless the food thing. Let's do this. Or the, hey, let, let's, right before we go to bed, as it let me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to, like, like that little thing. Or, or however in depth it is. Like, I, like I'm talking about just, man, man just planned, purposeful, Stealing your heart away for a moment, just, just pouring out, and then just sitting in silence and listening for what he has to say. See, another way that, that we spiritual discipline is through worship. Through personal and corporate. That, that, that happens alone in solitude as well as with the body and the church. And, and so personal worship looks like this. It looks like quiet time, alone, reading, singing, serving, praying. That's what it looks like. Just, just you and the Lord. Corporate is together with other believers. Like this, Sunday morning gathering, corporate worship. It could be through small groups. It could be through serving in ministries. It could be uh, serving missionally. That's another way that you worship. Corporate, you can worship corporately or even personally. As you gather as the body, or you do it alone, your heart and your motive and your desire and your longings for that of Jesus. And the last one that I'll mention, and again, there's a long list, but the last one that I would mention is this: is generosity. See, stewardship means thinking of and using all you are and have in understanding that God is the ultimate owner of everything. All that you have is a gift that's been given to you, everything that you have. Whether it's your house, whether it's your car, whether it's your bank account, whether it's your kids, your family, your hobbies, whatever it is, is just on loan to you from God. God. He's given you the ability. He's given you the blessing. He's given you the opportunity. And, and everything, everything that we have is His. And, and the crazy thing that blows my mind is that He allows us to steward that. He, he allows us to do with and to use, hopefully, for His glory and for His understanding. But it's us having a right, good perspective that He is the owner. And that He's given us the opportunity and the blessing of overseeing and using and giving back to whether that be through tithes and offerings or whether that be through your finances of what you, what you give how you support like, like, like the, the thing about the church is this is that, is, that, is that the dollars and the money that comes into this place uh, the, the hope and the heart and the prayer is that God how can we use it for your glory how can we do better and be more efficient for sharing the gospel, spreading the gospel, uh, setting up missions, taking your great name to this world that desperately needs you? Celebrating what we're celebrating today, all over the world, all over all over time. Generosity is it's just your possessions, and what do you have? What's yours? What do you what do you got? How do you view it? How do you how do you use it? How do you steward? Is it open handed? It's not my house, it's God's, it's not my car, it's God's, it's not my stuff, it's God's stuff. What about your time? Same thing. God's given you so many hours, minutes, seconds in your life upon which everyone will be accounted for one day. But how do you use your time? How do you use your ability? All of those things, man, we have the opportunity to steward and to give back to God. So these are just four of the spiritual disciplines that that can help train us for godliness. And I believe God uses these four. And there's so many more, so many more to help shape and mold us into His image. And so, man, as we gather in this place this morning, we get to value and treasure. We get to ponder. So, man, as I think back to Luke 2, 19, man, on that day when Christ was born, and Mary's there in that moment and kind of steps back for a second and begins to look and to, to think and to treasure and to value and to really just take in all that's happened and all that's going on. mean the story looked different for her that day than it does for us. Man, she, she was in the middle of it. I, I think she had some awareness too, but I don't think she fully could understand or grasp the, uh, the moment but the thing for us is that we're, we're 2,000 years removed from the story. Over 2,000 years removed from the story. And so for us, we get to look back and we get to see. And so for us, we treasure it differently. We ponder on it differently than they did even in that day. We, we understand the scope and the weight of what took place on that beautiful day whenever God sent his son. And so the story looked away for her, but I believe that the story can look a little different for us. Maybe, maybe like this would be a good rendering of that story. Like bombs bursting in the dead of night, Christ came to us. He came for us. See, He came just like us, wrapped in the very dust that He Himself had made. The fullness of God concealed with the frame of an innocent babe, with the splendor of a thousand suns, bringing the darkness to its knees. Church, He is God with us. The full weight of heaven putting its feet on the earth, consummating the hope of generations. In the moment of His birth, He is the embodiment, the fullness of our God. He's the embodiment, the imminence. He's the personification of promise, the culmination of covenant. And with every moment, He has shown us who God is. Church, for God is holy, holy, holy. See, he's absolute and definitively other than, transcending every benchmark and reference point known to man dwelling in a high and holy place and yet sweeping down low into the depths of depravity to show that he is God and he is holy, with eyes too pure to look upon evil and an arm too strong to be matched, with an equal, he's blameless in every possible way and yet choosing in his compassion to absorb every ounce of the blame. See, church, our God is love. Drawing near and pressing in the sorrow of the sufferer, the agony of the afflicted, the plight of the impoverished, and the shame of the sinner. Love demonstrated itself on that glorious day that he was born. See, not only with words, but later with a cross, not with empty sentiment, but with evidence. Blood-bought, body-breaking, grief-bearing, hell-shaking evidence. See, love, relentless in the chase, patient in its pursuit. Love before the foundation of the earth, determining to set itself on you. See, our God, He is humble, emptying Himself by taking on a servant's form and being born in the likeness of men, despising His riches and laying down His life, forsaking His throne to make the wrong things right. And though He was rich, He chose to do what? Be poor, so that by His poverty you could have abundantly more. See, our God is rich in mercy, ready to receive all who would come to Him by faith. In their time of need, pardoning sin and never uh, coming to an end and following the faithful until our days are finished. Mercy bleeding out and pleading and intercession, pardoning transgression. As far as the east is from the west, that is our God. He is just ripping through temples, rebuking the pious, storing up almighty fury to pour out on all those who refuse to reckon with His righteousness. You know what He
1: does? He drinks the cup of His Father's wrath, consuming it all on our behalf, church. God is mighty and the strength of His arm is too great to be measured. The kind of power that can walk on water and cleanse the leper. Open the eyes of the blind. Clear the ears of the deaf and cause the storm to cease and bring the stubborn and hard hearts to believe that is our God. Mighty, raising from the tomb, just as he promised in triumph and victory. God is with us. God is among us. God is alive and well within us, church. He is illuminating light, coursing through our veins, radiating out of us. Light not meant to be stuffed out by complacency, but spread like wildfire, not buried beneath fervorous uh, affairs and trivial pursuits, or overshadowed by lofty arguments that skew our view of the truth. See, church, you were made for mission. I was made for mission. Ransomed for a reason. Rescued for a purpose of telling our story of redemption to every soul that will listen. Church, that's what Christmas is about. That's what today is about. So may we treasure and ponder such a terrifying and glorious wonder. So, church, stand with us this morning and sow from the mountains, over the hills, through the valleys, everywhere that all Christ is born. tell it on the mountain over.